Hello and welcome to our Good Friday service. We're going to take you through a series of readings and reflections as we make the long road to Jesus' coronation as King on the cross. Our first reading comes from Amy with Jesus' trial and condemnation. Matthew 26 verse 59 says, The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they didn't find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? So up until this point, the trial had been a complete failure and frustrated by the lack of evidence and Jesus's silence, the high priest cut to the main issue and invoking the name of God on an oath said to Jesus, tell us, are you the Messiah? And instead of defending himself, Jesus simply tells the truth and claims to be the Messiah, the son of God. And in that moment, the trial turns to a complete riot and the religious leaders vented their hatred, their fear and their anger on Jesus by spitting in his face and beating him. But what I find amazing about this account is the patience of Jesus. So when facing their accusations, he could have mounted this magnificent defense. He could have called forth witnesses to his deity, his power, his character. He could have called forth the people that he healed, the people that had been raised from the dead, the people that he'd taught. But Jesus said nothing. And when he was being beaten, in that moment, the judgment of God could have rained down from heaven and he could have called forth legions of angels to come to his rescue. But again, Jesus did nothing. And throughout this trial, Jesus demonstrates the incredible, amazing patience of God towards sin and broken humanity. And in response to this account, one theologian writes, as one reads this story, one wonders more and more at the greatest miracle of all, the patient suffering of the spotless one. So let us wonder and be amazed again at the patience of God towards us. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. They then led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country and they forced him to carry the cross. A man named Simon was forced to carry the cross of Jesus on the way to him being crucified. And there's lots of ideas surrounding these verses. Why was he asked to carry the cross? And one of the ideas was this, that Jesus was so beaten and so um, tired and broken that he was unable to carry his own cross. Now, that's a hard idea to get our heads around because Jesus, the, the author of life, Jesus, the one that holds the stars, needed help carrying a tree. It's a profound thought, but nevertheless, Simon is woven in, he's written in to this amazing narrative. And as in fact, so are we. 
Like we are included and invited in to this great epic tale where Jesus is taken to the cross, crucified and then raised to life. Again, we're invited to walk with Jesus, to die with Jesus and then to be raised to life again in victory with him. In a moment, we're going to listen to a song and in it, I want us to reflect on this idea, this amazing truth that we are included in this epic tale. The lyrics say this, that knowing this was our salvation, Jesus, for our sake, you died. As you hear these words, reflect on the fact that we are, for our sake, you died. We are included in this epic tale. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand, then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spat on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. And after they'd done that and mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. Why submit yourself to such humiliation? They gathered around him, mocked him, spat at him, beat him. They made a crown of thorns and pressed it on his head. They gave him a, a fake staff and robe to mock him as king of the Jews. Because to humiliate somebody is to remind them that they're not worthy. It's to remove their dignity, to make somebody feel subhuman. And it's in those settings that the power is in the hand of the abuser. But what if it doesn't work? because Jesus came through with his dignity intact. Jesus' humility showed his abusers and his accusers their power was no real power at all. It's why we stand up to the bully, it's why we turn the other cheek, as Jesus said. It's why we forgive our enemies, because to do so isn't subhuman, it's superhuman. And Jesus' humiliation revealed sin's embarrassing reality, that it holds no power. And in your most embarrassed state, in your nakedness. Jesus loves you, accepts you, and forgives you. And who could turn away from a love like that? In 1953, on the 2nd of June, a young woman, accompanied by her husband, rode on a gold carriage pulled by eight grey gelding horses as they rode towards Westminster Abbey. With 27 million uh, onlookers, she arrived at Westminster Abbey and there they placed a crown on her head made of gold, platinum, silver, adorned with diamonds and rubies and emeralds, sapphires and pearls, crowning her Queen Elizabeth II. A glorious moment in our shared history. But there was an altogether more glorious coronation that we too share in. Crowds too gathered as this king made a painful walk carrying the vehicle of his glorification, stumbling towards the place of his coronation. His glory was not met by cheers but with jeers and insults. His head was not adorned with oil, rather it ran with blood and sweat. He was not wearing golden robes, he chose a different gown, a gown of humiliation. But this too was to be a crowning of a king. 
In Genesis 3.17, the first of humanity had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God came to them and said, Cursed is the ground because of you. It will produce thorns and thistles. Proverbs 22 says, On the path of the sinful are thorns and traps. Thorns, the object of the curse, the consequence of my sin, the object chosen by a Roman soldier, wrapped and rolled into a crown of thorns. The thorn not only designed to pierce what was whole, but to let poison irritate the wound, leaving its victim unable to ignore the consequence. It wasn't the Romans' hands that crowned him that day, it was these hands. His coronation, the consequence of my sin, so I could be given a crown of life, of freedom, of grace and power. He offered to bear the crown that I couldn't bear. In Mark 15 it says this, It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. At noon darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling for Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Now there's a new king with a new kind of kingdom. His throne overcame the worst of humanity. And now we gather as his loyal subjects and in this song, as we take the bread that represents his body and we drink the juice that represents his blood, these two symbols remind us. And as we declare today, long live the King. You broke the bread and blessed the cup. You served a sacrifice of Thanks for joining us today on our Easter Good Friday service. We can't wait to see you on Sunday for Easter Sunday, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus online and in person at 10.30.